Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. We're in the middle of a series called Generations. The whole idea behind this series is to help us to understand each generation more fully so we can discover how we're better together. That's why each worship has been crafted with a particular generation in mind. And today we're taking a look at the adults. Now, there are some experiences that sound like a lot of fun when we're younger, but not so fun when we get a little older. Like backpacking across Europe. You know what I'm talking about, right? Carrying everything you have on your own back. Sleeping in youth hostels. Hitchhiking with complete strangers. Sounds great at 25. Not so great at 45. When I was a college student, I used to think it was such an amazing idea to travel across Europe with nothing but my backpack and my sense of adventure to guide me. Now, it would be very difficult for anyone to convince me to backpack across Europe. I mean, how would that conversation even go? Hey, do you want to burn through some vacation time sleeping in really uncomfortable beds? (laughs) Not really. What if I told you that you could share a bathroom with complete strangers? I still wouldn't want to go. You can get a terrible backache from carrying a backpack that's half your body weight. All right, I'll go. (laughs) See, I know there, there are people of all ages who crave an adventurous lifestyle. But the vast majority of us who are in this middle stage of life, we would rather have stability than adventure. I know we don't like to say that out loud, but it's true, especially after we have kids. That's why we look for stability in our jobs. We look for a steady paycheck and health insurance. We look for stability in our homes. We we buy a house and we put down roots. Because this is not the stage of life where we just pack up and move to parts unknown. Some people do that, but they're usually the exception and not the norm. This is the stage of life when we build stability. When we leverage all the experience and all the education that we've gained in our younger years to build a stability that has longevity. And I know, that doesn't sound all that exciting. You know, nobody writes songs about stability. Nobody composes sonnets extolling the virtues of stability. Stability is not all that exciting, but it is absolutely essential. Because stability with longevity helps us to survive the storms. Stability with longevity helps us to survive the storms. And again, when we're younger, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It doesn't seem that important. But the older we get and the more storms we face, after we've experienced some loss in our families, after we've experienced some tragedy in our friendships, after we've experienced some failure in our jobs, after we've faced some storms, we begin to realize just how important stability with longevity 
actually is. See, this ability to pop back, to recover after a difficult time, is what psychologists refer to as resilience. According to the Psychology Today website, resilience is that ineffable quality that allows some people to be knocked down by life and come back stronger than ever. Rather than letting failure overcome them and drain their resolve, they find a way to rise up from the ashes. So where does resilience come from? Where do we find the strength to survive the storm? Now Jesus tells a parable about how to do this. How to find stability that has longevity. So to introduce this parable, I'd like to test your knowledge of American literature. Because there is a story in American literature that very closely mirrors this parable. So by comparing the two, we actually get some unique insights. Now this, this story, just like the parable, this story has builders. And every builder builds a house. And every house faces a test. And there is this contrast between wise building and foolish building. Because the house that is built wisely stands, but each house that is built foolishly falls. Does anybody have any idea what story from American literature I'm talking about? Yes, that's right. The three little pigs. Three little pigs. Each little pig builds a house, and each house faces the wolf. One day the wolf comes by and says, little pig, little pig, let me come in. And every little pig replies, what? Not by the hair of my... <laughs> I just wanted to see how many of you I could get to say that. <laughs> Two of the pigs build their houses out of junk. They never ask the question, will this survive the wolf? Will this house have stability with longevity? And as a consequence, their houses fall. But one little pig builds his house wisely, and because of that, it stands. Now Jesus, just like the writer of the three little pigs, he uses house building as a metaphor for the building of our lives. And through that metaphor, he reveals a key choice, a key choice that all of us, but especially those of us who are in this middle stage of life, need to make if we want stability that has true longevity. And that's found in Matthew chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 24. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Now, this parable is found at the end of one of Jesus' most famous sermons. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not familiar with this sermon, it's a very practical one. It's full of teachings on how to live life wisely. And at the end of this sermon, Jesus tells this parable. So this parable is his final appeal to his listeners. Matthew chapter 7, starting with verse 24. It reads, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. What words is he referring to? The Sermon on the Mount, right? The words he's just spoken, right? So every, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So everyone who actually listens to my teachings, and not just listens to them, but actually puts them into practice, is like a man who's built his house on the rock. And he continues, verse 25. The rain came down, 
the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, after reading this story, I've always wondered, why would anybody build their house on sand? I mean, that just, that just sounds foolish, doesn't it? Anybody who has any experience with construction, whether it's building houses or building Legos, they can tell you that the foundation is absolutely crucial. Doesn't matter how nice that building is. If the foundation is weak, that building will fall. So why would anybody build their house on sand? While studying this passage, I actually discovered that building on sand was not as uncommon as you'd think in first century Palestine. According to biblical scholar William Barclay, there was many a gully, which in summer was a pleasant sandy hollow, which means it was a nice place to live, but was in winter a raging torrent of rushing water. Even on an ordinary site, it was tempting to begin building on smooth over sand and not to bother digging down to the shelf rock below. So there's actually two reasons why somebody would build on sand. The first is that it was enjoyable. You know, that pleasurable hollow was a nice place to live during the summer. And the second is that it was easy. It was easier. It was easier to build on sand than to dig down into rock, right? See, if all you're concerned about is the present, if all you're concerned about is having the most enjoyable and easy time in the present, and you don't really care if that house lasts, then it makes a lot of sense to build on sand. And if we're being honest, a lot of times we make our decisions based on exactly this. What is most enjoyable and easy now? What is pleasurable in the present rather than what is favorable in the future. And as a result, we little piggies make some foolish choices. Have you ever made a foolish choice before? They tell you that confession is good for the soul. So I'd like to lead you through a group confession this morning. <laughs> In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever made a foolish choice before. But before I, I do, before we do, I'd like to lead you through some lead you through some categories to help jog your memory of some of the foolish choices you may have made. So, if you've ever made a foolish commitment that you wish you hadn't, if you've ever said something that you later came to regret, if you ever dated someone, don't look around, <laughs> but if you ever dated someone who left you wondering, what was I thinking? If you've ever made an impulsive purchase that you later came to regret, if you ever ate something, come on now, if you ever ate something that you wish that you hadn't, if you've ever made a foolish choice about time, money, behavior, vocation, parenting, friendship, or the stock market, please raise your hand now. <laughs> now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm one foolish little piggy. We all make foolish choices. And one of the main reasons we do is because of precisely this. We choose what is pleasurable in the present over what is favorable for the future. 
And that's why Jesus' advice to us is this. His advice to all of us, but especially those of us who are in this adulthood stage of life. His advice to us is, build today for tomorrow. Build today for tomorrow. Choose today the life you want tomorrow. Because wise people understand that the choices we make today form the foundation for our lives tomorrow. So if we want a life that can outlast any storm, if we want a life that has stability with true longevity, then build today for tomorrow. And that principle is found throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Over and over again, Jesus describes to us how we can build today for tomorrow. I'm paraphrasing here, but he says things like, mourn today and be comforted tomorrow. Be merciful today and receive mercy tomorrow. Make today's enemies tomorrow's friends. Give what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. Over and over again, Jesus urges us to build today for tomorrow. So you can build your, you can build your life on sand or you can build your life on rock. But if you want a life that can outlast any storm, if you want stability that, that, that has true longevity, then build on rock. Build today for tomorrow. Because here's the thing. We never expect the storms to come, but the storms always find us. See, if you compare the two descriptions of the storms found in this parable, you'll see that they're identical, word for word identical. Take a look. Verse 25 says, The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Verse 27, exactly the same. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house. See, Jesus wants to make it absolutely clear that this is not a story about storm avoidance. It's not. The wolf comes to every door. The storm comes to every house. This is not a story about storm avoidance. And that's too bad because that's the story we would probably rather hear, you know. Being able to live somewhere, go somewhere we, where we wouldn't have to face storms. You know, a story about two different climates, California and Minnesota, you know. And the wise man built his house in California. <laughs> I mean... No offense to anybody who lives in Minnesota, but we have the privilege of living in one of the best climates in the world. You know, the national average for sunny days is 213. In Loma Linda, we get 280 on average. We actually start complaining because we have too much sun, right? And then when it starts to get just a little bit cold, you know, like 52 degrees at night, we start complaining Put on our jackets. You know what they call 52 degrees at night in Maine? Summer. <laughs> but even in California, with all of our awesome weather, we cannot escape the storms. We can't. It's not just the weather. We face wildfires, earthquakes, mudslides. See, it doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you live. Doesn't matter what you do, the storm will always find you. 
So this isn't a story about storm avoidance. No, this is a story about storm survival. How do you thrive in the midst of the storm? And what Jesus says is, if you want a life that can outlast any storm, if you want a stability that has true longevity, then build today for tomorrow. See, over and over again, we're faced with this same choice. Will we build today or will we build for tomorrow? We're faced with that choice today or tomorrow. We face it in parenting. Will we discipline our children to behave today? Or will we discipline them to become who God wants them to be tomorrow? The authors of the book Positive Discipline, they urge parenting with that kind of future goal in mind. They write, Imagine, imagine your child as an adult who has come home for a visit. What kind of person would you hope to spend time with? What characteristics and life skills do you hope he or she has? You know, our list may include things like resilience, strength of character, problem-solving skills, patience. If that's our goal, then parent our children to become that kind of adult. For example, if, if what we want our children to have is problem-solving skills, then maybe, maybe we should resist that urge to solve every problem for them and instead lead them through a process of learning how to solve problems for themselves. And that is so much more difficult today than just fixing the problem for them. But what are we going to choose today or tomorrow? What is pleasurable in the present or what is favorable in the future? We face that same choice when it comes to our finances. How will we use our money today to have the life we want tomorrow? We face that with our habits, with our health, with our lifestyles. And we definitely face it when it comes to our ultimate destination. Will we live for the earthly or will we live for the eternal? See, we Christians talk a lot about how Jesus came to this earth to help lead us into an eternity with him. But we don't always live our lives as if that were true. So what would our lives look like if we made every decision with the absolute certainty that eternity awaits? So I brought something with me today. Brought a piece of rope or a length of rope with me. I brought this rope with me to help us gain an eternal perspective on our lives. It's an illustration that I'm borrowing from Pastor Francis Chan. Now, imagine that this rope, it just goes on forever. It actually doesn't. It stops right there underneath the platform. But use your imagination that it just goes on forever. This is our existence. And this little red part right here, this is our lives on earth. See, we only get a few years here, and then all of eternity awaits. And most of us, we obsess about this little red part. We do. Because we think that death is the end. This is all we have. Consequently, everything becomes magnified here. Every decision, every heartache, every pain, 
every sorrow, every achievement, every success, everything becomes magnified. And we obsess over it. We say things like, man, I can't wait to get right here. So I'm going to save and save and save and save so I can really enjoy this part. (laughs) See, we're consumed by it. And at the same time, we're afraid of it because we know eventually it's going to come to an end. And that's why we have such a hard time with resilience. Because if this is all we have, then everything is magnified. Every problem is a big problem. And it's hard to bounce back from difficulties. But Jesus comes up to us and says, are you kidding me? What about all of this? What about this entire life that you have stretching out in front of you that you never even think about? See, it's not that we have nothing to fear. Because the storms will come. We will experience loss. We will experience pain. We will experience tragedy. It's not that there's nothing to fear. It's that even though there's something to fear, we don't have to be afraid. Because death doesn't have to be the end. Just the next step in the rest of our lives. See, for those of us who follow Jesus, what follows death is a ceaseless eternity of endless opportunity and life. And when we get this, when we live our lives with this perspective, that's when we can have resilience. That's where we find the strength to survive the storm. So let me ask you again, how would your life be different if you lived every day with the complete confidence that eternity awaited you? Let me tell you why this is so important. Not just for ourselves, but for this entire community. See, we who are adults, we have a lot of authority and ability and resources. We do. So the question is, how will we use what we have? Will we leverage what we have gained to do what is pleasurable in the present or what is favorable in the future? See, unless we start living the present, with the future in mind, there is no future for the church. Unless we start building today the church we want for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, unless we start building today the church we want tomorrow, there will be no church tomorrow because the storm is brewing and the wolf is coming. And pretty soon we're going to find out what our lives are made of. So what's it going to be? Straw or brick? Sand or stone? Today or tomorrow? I hope. I hope we will choose the life, choose today the life we want tomorrow. I hope we will build today for tomorrow. Because that, that's how we experience a life that can outlast any storm. That, that's how we build a stability that has true longevity. And that is how we're better together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for being an eternal God. A God who sees 
things from an eternal perspective and realizes how fleeting time here on earth is. And we ask that you help us to regain that perspective so we can make our decisions based on what is waiting in eternity and not just what is waiting on this earth. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.